Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I think it's time to hit it! I'm going to go back to my old theme. This election is all about one thing, liberty versus tyranny. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax. And in San Diego, one acre man was more land than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Stop the tape. Racial. We need to deal with racial disparities in this country. What do you suppose Kamala, Kamala, whole Harris is talking about here? Racial disparities. You know, I grew up in the most racially diverse, the most ethnically diverse, the most harmonious, really, and and metropolitan city on the planet. I'm sorry in New York. I'm sorry Singapore, all these cities, these wonderful, London, all these cities that claim to be Paris, Rome even sometimes. San Francisco, California is, used to be, and maybe still is to a degree, A wonderful example of the melting pot experiment we call the United States of America. And that's where I grew up. And and, and we know now it's a cauldron of disgusting liberal Marxist socialist garbage and is uh, maybe the modern day example of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, fine. But... It wasn't that way when I was growing up. We had, we had the Haight-Ashbury, and my mom would tell me when we would drive past the Haight-Ashbury in the early 70s to look, but don't look. Okay, look, don't look. Okay, you can look now. You can look and see this fire hydrant that's painted all these wonderful colors, because that's what they did in the Haight-Ashbury in the late 60s, early 70s. But don't look over here because there's a naked guy. Yeah, that was just a common occurrence in in San Francisco. But she would say, look, and take a good look, because this is how you're not going to grow up to be. You're not going to grow up to be one of them. One of these bums, sorry, I still use that term, drug-induced bums that are 
anti-Nixon. I remember driving around San Francisco. I didn't drive. I was my mom would drive, or I'd be on my bicycle. And there was a guy who had a customized California license plate. And it took me a while. I was only probably 10 when I saw this initially, but I saw it repeatedly. I remember, and it stuck with me. His plate and the censors in California clearly either weren't paying attention or were anti-Nixon people because his plate said FK space NXN. That's the city in which I, I grew up in. But there was a certain modicum of freedom of expression. And the Chinese got along with the Italians. And the Italians got along with the Japanese. And the Japanese got along with the Mexicans. And the Mexicans got along with the Polish. And on and on and on. And San Francisco is divided up, or was, into neighborhoods where, you know, the gays were in one section over here. And the wealthy people were in this section, Pacific Heights, over here. But everybody got along. Every, there wasn't this crazy stuff. Well, we have a certain amount of Chinese in this neighborhood, and we need to have X amount of these Chinese over here. And, oh, look at these poor people over here. We need to give them free health care. Now, it didn't mean that San Franciscans weren't generous. Actually, San Franciscans back then were, and maybe they still are. And they would help neighbors. Wealthy people would. And that is the other thing about San Franciscans. They weren't flashy. I don't know what they're like now with Silicon Valley going on. They're just gross people in general, especially when you look at the head of Twitter. Are you listening, Twitter? Uh, San Franciscans were never flashy, and that's the way I grew up. If you had money, you kind of looked the same as somebody who didn't have money. And that was the wonderful thing about San Francisco. But San Francisco is, was... A wonderful melting pot where people really weren't envious of one another. People weren't in competition of one another. People didn't say, hey, this sector of people needs to have a handout. And, and so the government's going to have to come in there and, and give them this handout. That's not the way it was back then. It's obviously different now where they're, they're giving stipends to homeless people, bums. And they're giving them needles so they can inject themselves. And then they're letting them defecate on the streets. Obviously, that's not the San Francisco I grew up in. I grew up in a San Francisco that was pre-Kamala Harris before she attacked it and ruined it. And now is talking about so-called racial justice. Well, in other words, her, her code words mean... Reparations, for example, among other things. Criminal justice reform, when I hear Republicans talk about criminal justice reform, it, the hair stands up on the back of my head because I know they're using the same terminology as Democrats. And Democrats' criminal justice reform is to let people out of jail, period. Just like Newsom is doing in California right now. Oh, you got a virus? Better let him out of jail. Oh, the crime rate's going up. Hmm, wonder how that happened. <laughs> I mean, this is insanity stuff. Kamala Harris, Kamala, talking about 
racial equality or racial justice. She's talking about reparations. So let me ask Kamala a question. I was mugged two or three times, I can't remember, in San Francisco by gangs of black kids. You know, I have this lily white face and I'm trying to go to a Giants game at Candlestick Park and I'm going through a bad neighborhood to get there, riding buses and walking on it. You know, these black kids come up to you and see, they just give you a look and you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I know what's happening here. Hey, yeah, I can laugh about it now. It was traumatic back then. And they emptied our pockets and took everything. You know, the only thing they left us was our clothes. And if we had nice shoes on, by the way, if we had nice sneakers, which we, I didn't have because I grew up on the, on the poor side of San Francisco, if you will, uh, they would have taken those, uh, those Nike. And yeah, we had Nike back then. We just didn't have all the different varieties. And I'm not a Nike fan anymore. I'm just saying that these, these uh, gangs of black kids, one of them actually happened. One of the muggings actually happened at Candlestick Park because we, um, my buddy Dino and I, and I think maybe his brother, uh, we would buy the cheap seats. And, and back then they were a dollar. So you could ride the Muni in San Francisco for five cents. Anywhere in San Francisco, all day long, kids could ride for five cents. And then Candlestick had $1 bleachers. You know, even back then, a dollar was pretty cheap. And so we would buy the bleacher seats and we would try and candlestick when they enclosed it. It had all this cavernous area that was empty 95% of the time. Only when the Dodgers were in town was the stadium ever full. And so we would try and sneak through this area that was empty. And lo and behold, we ran into this gang of black kids. (laughs) It was over then. You know, they probably took our ticket stuff. Which was fine because we were sneaking into the expensive seats from the cheap seats. So my point is, Kamala, do I get reparations for that? I'm just wondering. Do I get reparations for being mugged in San Francisco as a kid? Because I'm white. Right? That's why I was mugged. Do I get reparations, Kamala? We're talking about racial justice, aren't we? I'll get to the presidential aspect of this roll tape. Need to acknowledge them, difficult though they may be, to think about, much less talk about. We need to address it in terms of what we're doing around health care. We need to address it in terms of the racial wealth gap. We need to address it in terms of the gaps in our education system. Stop tape. Okay. This is mind-boggling to me. Uh, if, if there was a reporter out there worth his or her salt... And she talks about a racial wealth gap. I would say to Kamala, excuse me, uh, how did uh, Michael Jordan become so wealthy? Yes, he's a talented guy, and he was compensated, and he was compensated well. Or, or um, uh, Michael or uh, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, any of these uh, mega stars. Uh, were able to make money in our country because they had a talent, uh, a viable talent that other people wanted. And namely the owners of basketball teams or baseball teams or football teams, right? So they compensate them. And, and these stars, these mega stars, bring people into the stands. They pay money for these tickets and the, the owners get wealthy and the, uh, the players get wealthy. It's a wonderful thing. It's called our free market um, system. 
Uh, it's a wonderful example of that, but it's also a wonderful example of the opposite of what this ding-dong is, is trying to get people to believe. That somehow the United States does not allow that to happen. That somehow this income inequality gap is bad. It's not bad. Because it allowed Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan to go from rags to riches. It allowed me to grow up in a lower middle class household in San Francisco and probably lower, lower middle class, just above, you know, the bad class (laughs) to whatever the hell class I am now, which is better than what I was growing up. That is income inequality, Kamala. You must have income inequality in a free market system in order for Magic Johnson to go from where he was as a teenager to where he is now a partial owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, and all the other things that he's um, involved in. Without income inequality... Magic Johnson wouldn't have been able to do what he's doing now. Same thing with Magic or uh, Michael Jordan and blah, blah, and on and on and on. But we don't have the reporters out there with the gumption to do this, do we? And so what she is talking about, when you, when you zoom out and you look at the big picture, she's talking about imposing government, a, a quote, government solution to this income inequality and racial inequality. It's all this inequality stuff. The only thing we are guaranteed as Americans is equal protection under the law and and the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, Joe Biden, if if you want to know the the rest of what you were trying to say. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, That's what we're guaranteed. We're guaranteed some inalienable rights given to us by God but preserved in the United States Constitution. That's what we're given. We are not given a pair of Nike tennis shoes at birth. We are not given health care at birth. Oh, we shouldn't be. We're not given a refrigerator at birth, are we? We're not given a Ford, I almost said Bronco. Do they even make the Bronco? I I think they're making the Bronco again. A Ford F-150. We're not given a Ford F-150 at birth, are we? She is an exemplification of the Bernie Sanders, AOC. Joe Biden doesn't even know what the hell she's talking about. He's the Manchurian candidate, so they're just filling in the blanks. He's a blank slate. Kamala's filling it in. She's filling it in with what they're doing in Venezuela. She's filling it in with what they're doing in North Korea. She's filling it in with what they've done in Cuba. And that is a Marxist, socialist, totalitarian regime that takes from one group of people and gives to another and says, hey, we're government, we're benevolent, we're the best thing since sliced bread. And look at the lifestyles that they have in Venezuela and Cuba and in North Korea and the old Soviet Union, and in East Germany, and on down the line. Never works, right? The redistribution of wealth, Marxist socialist policies, um, never work. And so, how does all of this pertain to the election? Well, this is what she's throwing out there to the fish. 
And the question is, how many of the fish are going to bite on this? This is tyranny. She is proffering a tyrannical form of government upon the American people. She's speaking for Joe Biden. Joe Biden, if he were to be elected, and I do not believe he's going to be, he would be the 46th president, and she will be the 47th president of the United States. It's going to happen one way or another, either through Nancy Pelosi's 25th Amendment scheme, which a lot of people think is why she was fiddling around with the 25th Amendment. I don't believe that. I believe that that could be the secondary reason. I think the primary reason Nancy Pelosi was fiddling around with the 25th Amendment is because it's insurance policy if Donald Trump does win a second term. She's going to try and go for that. And she's going to be running for speaker again. She's never going to give up. As long as Donald Trump is in Washington, D.C., Nancy Pelosi will be there too. She will. Guaranteed. She, she's psychotic. She's mentally not well. And I, I would suspect physically not well either with all the, the lifts and Botox and whatever else they inject. And in. I mean, the only thing we see is the face, right? What else are they? I don't even want to think about it. This election comes down to one thing and one thing only. And I have said this now maybe for a year, but I think now that we're three days away from the election, it is worth repeating. Liberty versus tyranny. Kamala Harris administration, a.k.a. a Joe Biden administration, would broaden the tyrannical forms of government that already exist. I mean, let's face it. We do not have a pure, constitutional, free, free market society. Government is way too big for us to be considered 100% free. We're not. And maybe the greatest example, to me, is the income tax. I believe the income tax at any form, in, in, in any state, federal, state, local, and tax on income is immoral. Because we are on this planet for a finite amount of time. And if I choose to work during that finite amount of time, my compensation for this use of my time on this planet should be mine and nobody else's. Yet, here we have government at all levels imposing an income tax, a tax on my finite amount of time on this planet. Now, I, I'm not naive. I believe government needs to function at a certain level. In the, in the Constitution, really at two levels, print money and national defense. So there's other forms of taxation that, yes, need to have happen in a functioning society. I believe in a consumption tax. If you don't go out and buy a super yacht, you're not going to pay taxes. If you do go out and buy a super yacht, you're going to pay taxes. And this would be more than enough to feed the the government coffers. So Kamala Harris is hawking a tyrannical society, which boils down to whether we want law and order and the rule of law in this country. Because tyranny thumbs its nose, as we have seen in Seattle, as we have seen in Minnesota, 
as we have seen in Washington, D.C., as we have seen in New York, and all these blue cities, Portland. Tyranny loves not abiding by the rule of law. It's the Saul Alinsky method, right? Saul Alinsky loved to see upheaval because upheaval allowed government to institute another layer or layers upon the people. Do what your people like to do. Well, the modern Democrat Party, a.k.a. Black Lives Matter, a.k.a. Antifa, and the rest of them like to riot, like to break into stores like we've seen in Philadelphia and steal things. Do what your people like to do. That's what Saul Alinsky said. But there is a silent so-called majority in this country that does not accept that, that wants law and order, that wants the rule of law. And so this is what the election's about. I think there's also a certain part of our society that would like to get the answers of Hunter Biden. Yeah, this, this, again, I have said this before and I'll say it again. Journalism is dead in this country. And the mainstream media, as the president says, is the enemy. I would finish the sentence by saying the mainstream media are the enemy, the enemy of the people in the United States Constitution. If they were worth their weight in salt at all, why are they not even reporting? We have to go to alternate media sources like Breitbart to find out that the DOJ, the FBI through the DOJ, began an investigation into Hunter Biden over a year ago. Maybe two years ago. I don't know the exact date. But the bottom line is, it's just breaking now, just being confirmed now, yet CNN and, and the rest of these people are not going to cover it. <clears throat> Excuse me. They will cover the fact that the Supreme Court in this country is schizophrenic going into an election. This is crazy stuff. This is absolute crazy stuff. Thank you, John Roberts. Thank you, George W. Bush, for the gift that keeps on giving. In an absolute, he's supposed, when, when he was elevated to Supreme Court justice, John Roberts was framed as this constitutionalist, as originalist. This guy who's going to uphold the United States Constitution and play things by the book. This guy is anything but. He, he's like a roulette wheel. You don't know where his little ball is going to stop, depending on what case he's hearing. And he's totally schizophrenic. The, 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 the Roberts Supreme Court is a schizophrenic Supreme Court. And it, nothing more is better evidence than that, than these rulings in North Carolina, in uh, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And how these ballots should be counted after the election. If you're keeping score at home, North Carolina ballots can arrive up to nine days. So mark it on your calendar. Uh, I guess the election ends in North Carolina on November 12th. Not November 3rd, November 12th. Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is mind-boggling to me because there is a Republican legislature there that needs to stand up and say, hey, listen, we're in charge. Not the state Supreme Court. Not the United States Supreme Court. The Constitution. Article 2, I think it's Section 2, right in here, says that the state legislature shall decide the electors. Not a court, not a judge, not John Roberts, yet 
Here we are, Pennsylvania. Ballots can arrive three days late. <laughs> how do they, why not 300 days late? Why, how do we come up with these numbers? Nine days, three days, three weeks. Why wait? Now, there is a statutory reason why it cannot be 300 days or, or 30 days uh, for that matter. Um, there's a constitutional reason as well. But if you were going to sow the seeds of chaos and you were a radical on the United States Supreme Court, this is exactly what you do. You have all these states with different dates. Why even have a national election date? Why? If North Carolina can go to the 12th of November... And Pennsylvania can go the 6th of November, and Nevada goes here, and, and uh, uh, New Jersey goes here, and New York goes here, and California goes here. I don't even know what the number is in California. What is the point of having an election day? And then the vote by mail, of course, skews it even more. I mean, think about it. We're going into an election on election day where 100 million people will have voted already. You talk about wiping out, absolutely obliterating voter ID. This is what I've been saying from square one. When the Democrats started pushing this notion of all vote by mail, I think it was probably April, May of this year, and then it just caught on by wildfire. And, and the, the Republicans were absolutely muted regarding this, constitutionally, but logically. Vote by mail obliterates voter ID, right? Think about it. You're sitting down there at the table and you've got your five ballots in front of you. There's no voter ID. You're just signing away. It is the perfect storm. And I got to tell you, from a disgusting, diabolical standpoint, the Democrats were brilliant on this because they went from impeachment failed to the phony political response to COVID-19 win. And then they doubled down with the mail-in ballots and they're winning again. That's why the silent majority in this country, in this election cycle, cannot be silent anymore. Not only do they have to go to the ballots, but they have to stand up. They have to stand up. The silent majority has to stand up for what's right. Because what happens on November 4th or November 12th or November 6th? What happens on December 1st if 65, 70 million Americans don't like the election results, uh, who won for president of the United States. What happens then? The silent majority has got to be silent no more, not in, only at the ballot box, but post-election. Uh, it's, it's very, very important. President Trump uh, barnstorming these last few days. Uh, he's trying to go to Minnesota, where the governor there can't have that. This is a wonderful example of the diabolical nature of the government response, the blue state government response to COVID-19. And it's witnessed nowhere better than in California and in Minnesota, where the governor there has saying, hey, 25,000 people who want to show up at the Trump rally, forget it. Forget it. This crazy thing we have in the, in the First Amendment of the Constitution guarantees our right to assemble, not in Minnesota, 
Roll tape. 25,000 people want to be there, and they say you can only have 250 people. Stop tape. There you go. There you go. Prime cut example of what I was talking about back in March and April. That this political response to the Wuhan coronavirus is designed to do exactly this. And that is harm the re-election chances of the 45th president of the United States. This is exhibit A. That's all you need right here. Perfect example. Oh, it's the, it's the virus. We can't have a gathering like that. Um, you can go to Walmart, yes. Uh, uh, you can go to Costco, yes. But you want to go to church or you want to go to a rally? Forget about it. Come on, mask up. We're all in this together. Oh, boy, am I going to be glad when this is all over. And maybe, well, I won't go there. The bottom line is, this is wonderful proof. And if, if, if you're not certain, and I, I don't think you'd be watching me if you weren't, but if you're not certain what I'm saying, that this election is about liberty versus tyranny, and Donald Trump in protecting our liberty and attempting to protect our constitutional rights, and Kamala and Joe and Nancy and the rest of them attacking our constitutional rights in a tyrannical fashion. If you're not sure, pay attention to what is going on in California right now, where the tyrannical Marxist socialist governor who cannot read and who has an inferiority complex has now dictated to the people of California, what they can and cannot do on our, some would say, maybe most precious national holiday, Thanksgiving. There are now mandates in place, and I use quotes when I say mandates, because this lunatic in in Sacramento, California, cannot do what he's doing. It seems to me that I'm the only one pointing this out. Mandates of what Californians can and cannot do at Thanksgiving. Here it is, straight from the cdph.ca.gov website, which is their, basically their, I don't know, it's their government website, and this is the health, the CDC version of it, I guess. Mandatory requirements for all gatherings. Now, in the United States, that's an oxymoronic statement. Mandatory requirements for gatherings? Again, this crazy thing in here, it's called the First Amendment. And there is no restriction on gatherings. In fact, just the opposite. The framers of the Constitution wanted us to be able to assemble. Yet here we have a tyrannical governor of the nation's most populous state saying this, all persons planning to host or participate in a private gathering as defined by above, and that is defined as social situations that bring people together, must comply, must, with the following requirements. In this edict is this line. It, this edict, applies to private gatherings 
and all other gatherings not covered by existing sector guidance are prohibited. Are you hearing me, California? Are you hearing me, 49 other states? This is what the election is about. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris will facilitate more of this in all 50 states. There was an article, an astounding article uh, this week that said somehow that Donald Trump must lose in order for the Republican Party of California to win. This is insanity. Whoever thinks that diabolically as a Republican is not a Republican. And you know who you are. You know who you are in California. And you should just resign the party and become the Marxist, Socialist, Democrat Party member that you are. Donald Trump needs to defeat these marauders of the Constitution in California. Donald Trump needs to crush them. We need to crush them. This is war. It's the war for the heart and soul of this republic. It is a war over the United States Constitution, whether the Constitution gets kneecapped or gets preserved. And Donald Trump needs to crush these people in California and all blue states. And I have a feeling, given what I'm seeing right now and the momentum that I am seeing, I think the margin, I don't think, I'm not uh, delusional in thinking that California would ever go to Donald Trump, but I don't think the margin is going to be what it was in 2016. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot closer. A hell of a lot closer. I don't think California is going to be this vast, unending chunk of votes for whoever runs as Democrat for president of the United States, like it was for Hillary, which was just kind of disgusting. And of course, turn the popular vote against Donald Trump. And I'm going to go a step further. I think Donald Trump is going to win the popular vote. Not in California, but I think overall, I think it's going to be squeaky close, but I think he's going to win the popular vote. And you know what? Right now in Pennsylvania, if you follow the Trafalgar group, they've got Trump up by about a point over Biden in Pennsylvania. In Wisconsin, they've got a statistical tie with the trend going the way of the president. In Minnesota, they've got Trump within, and Biden less than 50%. They've got Trump within uh, three points of Joe Biden. In Minnesota, now I remember the landslide in 1984, Ronald Reagan, the only state he did not carry was, was Minnesota. And I think the last Republican to carry Minnesota was uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon in 1972. Michigan, Trump, is now up by more than two points in Michigan. Florida, Trump, is up by almost three points in Florida. And he's, he's, Trump is, is getting close to 50% in Florida. And in Nevada, Trump is closing the gap to a, a point and a half. 
and Biden is under 50 percent in Nevada. So it's no wonder uh, Michael Moore is freaking out right now when he's running around the country on camera saying, oh, don't believe the polls. Don't believe the polls. He's talking about the mainstream media polls, you know, the NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, blah, 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 the ones that are all skewed to try and make it seem like Joe Biden is going to run away with this thing to discourage Republican voters. Michael Moore is out there saying, hey, he's trying to rally the the troops on the Democrat side saying, hey, it's not in the bag. (laughs) Yeah, I think Michael Moore, he's a he's a lunatic. Um, He's, uh, I think, a danger to our republic. I think he's a nutcase, but I don't think he's stupid. I think he sees um, what I see. And what I see in the big picture is, as many have been saying, the most important election of our life. And 2016 was the most important election of our life. And 2012 was, 2008 was. And it shouldn't be this way, but it is. This is not what the framers of the Constitution wanted, but this is what we have. This is the most important election of our life. And I don't know in 2024 if we're going to be saying the same thing or not. But I do know that this is a pivotal moment right now. So if you go to GrahamLedger.com, you can answer the web poll question if you haven't asked already, or answered it already, the Ledger Register. Who will win the 2020 presidential election? It's overwhelming in one direction, but if you'd like to participate, go to GrahamLedger.com. When you're there, please um, see that you can subscribe to the Ledger Report. That's this. Uh, for free. So go to GrahamLedger.com, answer the question, subscribe to the Ledger Report, because if you like what you're seeing, um, we're trying to build the numbers up so we can continue doing this. Without the numbers, uh, you know, you can't keep doing this. You've got to be able to monetize this somehow. And that's just the, the God-honest truth. Also on there is Fix California. I have a plan after the election, after whatever the hell happens. I'm going to be talking about how to fix California. I do have a plan. It's a constitutionally based plan based mostly in the California Constitution. So you can uh, learn about that there. Also, you can go to the Zip app and you can answer the question, uh, who will win the 2020 presidential election on the uh, Zip app? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is, as I said, and I will say it until this election is decided, I guess we could be talking about... January 21st, 2021 is when it's decided. I don't know. Uh, I'll go through some scenarios in the next podcast. But um, the bottom line is um, we are looking at a very simple choice here. Law and order versus anarchy. Liberty versus tyranny. Donald Trump embodies the free market constitutional liberty that the framers of the constitution wanted us to have joe biden and kamala harris embody the the tyranny that they fought against they embody virtually everything that the framers of the constitution did not want to have be imposed on the people of this republic this is war in effect this is The Revolutionary War, Part 2. Liberty versus tyranny, and liberty has got to win out. 
This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. <laughs>